0: turn with me if you would to the psalm that becca read for us earlier psalm 40 as we begin this new series on life with god as king what does it mean to live with god as king in a world as our children are being dismissed i apologize in a world where We're constantly turning unexpected pages in the chapters of life. Where we go down unknown roads and we hit hairpin turns that we can't be prepared for. And they just come our way. Where we embark on our own journey in need of assurance, in need of strength, in need of grace, in need of an invitation to what God wants to do. What does it mean to live life with God as king? We're going to look at the Hebrew prayer book, the book of Psalms, over the next several weeks, and just let the psalmist speak to our hearts about what it means as the psalmist saw God as king. But pray with me. Now, Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds with your scripture today. Your scriptures can do in our lives powerfully changes our lives I don't ask Lord God you meet us in our minds I don't ask that you just warm our hearts I ask Lord God that you meet us in what's real in our lives so that we might indeed dwell in the love of God that we might live under the benevolent rule of Jesus Christ, our King. So to that end, Lord God, speak, we pray. In your name we pray, amen. Maybe you've had the experience, I've had this unsettling experience where your car fails you at the worst time. And suddenly you're maybe in an unfamiliar place, it's an untimely time, and suddenly you feel stuck. I've had my share of experiences where I feel stuck, and all you can do, all you can do is all you can do is wait. Wait for help to arrive. There's nothing more that you can do. Sometimes in life, we hit spaces, places, times where we're stuck. Do you ever feel stuck? You see, that's David's experience in Psalm 40 when you read the entire Psalm. We read the first 11 verses this morning. But he comes through a period of stuckness, if you will. And he is still struggling. He comes through that period, but he's still struggling. So we'll just step it one verse further in verse 12, and we read these words. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. There are more than the hairs on my head, and my heart fails within me. You ever sensed your heart failing within you stuck where do we get stuck sadness and grief why why God relationship brokenness and pain and disappointment how God how'd we get here news and injustices in the world when Lord When are you going to do something about this? Emotional exhaustion? Where are you, God? Where? Where is it that you get stuck? Those places when the Lord we claim as king does not seem to be on his throne. When days it is hard to sing his praises. You see, I think that's what's at the core of this psalm the struggles of life and even his own failures and sins seem overwhelming he says they seem as many as the hairs on his head well even for a bald guy like me that's a lot of concern a lot weighing on the soul right some of you have a whole lot more hair than me I. that's a lot of concern But this is not only the place. this isn't the only place where the psalmist speaks in these kind of terms, a, a place of, let's just call it dislocation. He repeatedly talks about that. In Psalm six, one of the famous lament psalms, he says, "My soul is in deep anguish. How long, O Lord?" In Psalm 72, he's looking at the world around him. He's seeing how the wicked are, are actually having progress how they're, they're they are profiting and he and he says my foot almost slipped i don't know i, I just don't know those famous words from psalm 13 he says this how long lord Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? And then these words from Psalm 89. Where now are your loving acts from long ago, my God? Where are you? Where are your loving acts? That is the inspired word of God. With the psalmist crying out, psalm after psalm after psalm, the psalmist cries out from a stuck place, capturing what we all face in life. How do we live with God as our king in the very real mud of life? Well, the psalmist begins to give us some indication at the very start of this psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. It's easy to imagine being sucked down into the mud and mire of life's bogs. I remember going uh, oyster hunting with my nephew, Matt. And I remember I didn't have the right shoes, and we got into the water, and we going ahead, and he he actually tries to feel them with his feet, which I'm not going to do. But I'm going in there, I'm trying to feel them, and then when I went, I I got sucked into some mud muck, and, and all of a sudden I tried to get out, and I couldn't get out, and whoop, I left my shoes behind, as they got sucked into the mud. You know what it feels like to be sucked into the mud. We can understand what that feels like. Sin and troubles were plain old points of weariness. We long for a hand to rescue us and pull us out of the mud. Well, this psalm says to us, God's extending his rescuing hand to us. The image sends us back to the creation narrative of Genesis chapter 2. And you know what happens there. God gets his hands dirty and he forms us in his image. Forward that. And we come to King Jesus, God and King Jesus. And we see him doing this. He's such a different king. This is what makes him such a different king. The king again reaches down and gets his hands dirty in the muck and the mire of our lives and of the world. Hebrews tells us, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He's able to help those who are being tempted. Julian Smith said, God is the one who speaks goodness into being. And God is the one when we fail or when life fails us. When we fail or when life fails us. Who is right beside us working with us to make us whole so you see the hand of god is offered to us but i believe there's a starting place for us this hand's already been offered it's there this place of living with god as king begins in a posture of openness an openness before god an openness before jesus As my king so ask yourself today is there any place where I am not open to God where am I closed off to God has something happened that has closed your heart to the possibilities of God we just sang it earlier I could hear you singing behind me how great our God is have you closed off the possibility to the possibilities of God? Is there some place where your soul has closed the door to his presence? Is there some place where your mind just won't let you go, where your mind's been barred from the idea that God can do something in your circumstances and even forgive, even forgive that sin? Have you been sucked into the mud and the mock? of the world around us. Every single thing I'm going to talk about today is not easy. Every single thing. But it's a pathway. I believe the psalm's teaching me, us, it's a pathway of living under the rule of the benevolent king. You see, the psalmist reminds me that God functions as king in my life best when I live in this place of openness to him. And so David paints a beautiful portrait of response, the response of a rescued heart, this openness toward our king. So here's some ways to practice this openness. I'm sure you could add to my list, but I'm going to give you three. And we start with the most difficult of them all, and it's this embrace, release to God. Embrace, release to God. Psalm 40, verse 1 I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. I waited patiently is code, it is code for trust. I waited patiently as code for trust in God. And so we see that this psalm pilgrim is doing everything to put the weight of his life on the God of his life. This is about releasing to God the circumstances and the details and the outcomes and the people. When suffering, fear and doubt and dislocation barrel into my soul, I am tempted to take matters into my own hands. What about you? Anyone else here want to fix things and fix people? No one else? I'm the only one? (laughs) Again, Julian Smith says, it's one thing to believe God's promises when they lie within the realm of possibility. Like when we, we, we quote a promise from God and everything's going great in life and we say how good God is, it's one thing to believe the promises of God when life is good but it's another when the promises are simply ridiculous. Whether the promises are believable or not, we like to have a plan B ready just in case, an alternative way to take things into our own hands. But God calls us to this place of hands off many times. Don't don't misinterpret that for just kind of some passive engagement with the world and life and not at all but there comes this place where we have to say God I don't get it and I don't understand it and I don't even know what to do with it the psalmist said that to us today sacrifice an offering you did not desire but my ears you have opened burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require then I said here i am i have come here i am it is written about me in the scroll i desire to do your will my god here i am i desire your will here i am god your law is within my heart this place this posture of release to god this practice of release this posture of openness is a posture of release The message paraphrase of Romans 12, 1 is beautiful. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Place my life before God, my everyday, ordinary life before God as an offering. John Eldredge says this little prayer over and over I give everyone and everything to you, Jesus. I give everyone and everything to you. Release. We don't like that idea, do we? I don't like that idea. But over and over, I discovered that this is the place that will help me best navigate the twists and the turns of life. Holding loosely the days and the events of life as a surrendered child of God. And this is so hard, but necessary. Holding loosely life as we hold tightly onto God. embrace release to God and then recite your rescue story or your grace story what's your story see something happens to us when we tell ourselves our story when we tell ourselves the story of Jesus and his love to our lives the psalmist actually recites his story and, and he builds his life off of that narrative. James Smith talks about having thick habits. And one of the thick habits he talks about is things like worship and scripture and other things. And he says this, these thick habits play a significant role in shaping our identity and who we are. They not only say something about us, but they're also shaping us into that kind of person that we desire to be. You see, as we recite our story, as we make it the habit of reciting our story, we affirm and we form and we own our identity as people living in the kingdom of God. Every one of us are being shaped by a story. By a narrative. And if we don't choose our story, don't worry, the world will choose the narrative for you. But every one of us when we say to ourselves and to the world, we belong to the king of the universe and we live under the king's rule, that shapes how we live. And that shapes our story. This is one reason why corporate worship matters. One reason why Bible, studying the Bible in small communities such as a journey group matters. This is why making prayer a daily priority matters. Not in a legalistic way, but in a way to come to him in relationship. Putting into our minds the songs of worship and the truths of God opens us to have our lives restoried. A new narrative given to us. I don't know if you've ever heard the song Jesus by Rich Mullins, but if you haven't, Google that. Google the song Jesus by Rich Mullins. And hear these words. He writes, Well, here I am, Lord, holding out my withered hands, And i'm just waiting to be touched jesus write me into your story whisper it to me and let me know i'm yours jesus write me into your story write me into it let me know i'm yours jesus there's power in reciting that to ourselves just look what happens when god rescues david Verse 3, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Verse 10, I do not hide your righteousnesses in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. He's, he's reciting his story. You get to feel that the psalmist is telling himself the story as much as telling others the story, and there's something very powerful about that. We see that laid out for us by Paul in Romans chapter 10. He says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then he says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you're saved. In other words, you own it. It becomes who you are. You own this story. This is your story. This is my story. And this story changes us. And we live out this narrative. And in these days, living under the rule of the benevolent king in a world like ours, my friends, we're all going to live out a narrative. In the good and the bad and the ugly. What is the narrative you're going to live out? What is your story of God's rescue in your life. Who are you going to recite that to? Start with yourself. Start with yourself. Remind yourself. Remind yourself of your amazing grace story. Third thing, third way to perhaps build and practice this openness, and that's engage a resilient faith. Resilience. Katie Hurley studied this idea of resilience. She writes, Resilience is the ability to withstand adversity and bounce back from difficult life events. Resilience involves the ability to work through emotional pain and suffering. Resilience. I have mentioned that word a lot in recent weeks part of the reason I think is because it seems in short supply looking around at the post-pandemic world including church and family and friends and the acute pain in the world and the trigger finger reactions and the withered emotions all of that requires resilience what if you were leaving here today and we had our ushers out at the doorway and they had a bottle And they said, here you go. We're giving you, everyone's getting a bottle of resilience today. Take this when you go home and you'll be resilient for the next year. Man, you would snap that up that quick. I would. Do you want resilience? Do you want some? This psalm and and all of scripture really can help us at this point, of resilience. Again, I'm I'm paraphrasing John Eldridge here, but he says, they catch our the scriptures, the psalms, they catch our mental life and turn it toward Jesus. They build resilience because they help us to stay focused on God and Christ's story. They open our spirit to him, allowing us to receive his love, comfort, and the strength that prevails. The psalms that we're looking at are not necessarily doctrinal statements about making sense out of life, but rather they're prayers in real life. And they are filled with unanswered prayers and unanswered questions and unanswered situations over and over. The Psalms are the place where why and what and where and when and how go to live. But the psalms are also filled with resilient faith responses. I I quoted earlier Psalm 13. Psalm 13 is saturated with lament and complaint and this sense of the psalmist being closed off from God and being stuck in his circumstance. But this is how he concludes. This is his response to his situation. But I trust in your unfailing love My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me You get to the end of Psalm 13 and none of his circumstances resolved None of it no answers no solutions No, no progress No healing no, everything coming together. it was a nice bow, and they happily lived ever, ever after. None of that. All he says is, "Nothing has changed, but I trust in your unfailing love." We sang that song earlier, set my heart on fire. Love that song. But that song about the fire isn't about emotion it's about being rooted in the love of god it's about finding a place in the love of god it's about living into the love of god i trust in your unfailing love my heart rejoices in your salvation i will sing the lord's praise for he has been good to me you would not have concluded that if you would have read the first four verses of psalm 13. but he did Resilient faith. What does that look like? What does that like really look like? We've been praying for Mike Zagrodny, who's enduring exhausting rounds of chemo as he fights cancer. And this is what he's concluded. Over the first week of his cancer treatments, a couple weeks back, he began to write down some things, and he shared these with me. This is what he's concluded. I will, I will seek first God's kingdom. I will worship God as the king of my life. I will worship Jesus as the Lord of my life. I will live today with God's eternal kingdom in my mind. I am made for more than this earthly life. But while I'm here, I will seek to bring God's kingdom to earth. I will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen. It's our brother. We're praying for him. You know, that's, that's where he is right now, getting treated. See, that's resilience, resilient faith. Uh, the psalm reminds me of the words of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, In this world you will have troubles, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I kind of hate that verse of Scripture. And I love it at the same time. You know, what a great, When we start talking about the promises of God, I, I never hear anyone say, you know, I want to talk about, I'm standing on the promise of God, my Savior, and then quote the first part of that verse. In this world you will have troubles. That's a promise. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. You see, let's not forget what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I win. Jesus is saying, I win. And that builds resilient faith because we know pain and suffering, war and injustice, division and doubt, even sickness and death do not have the last word, but Jesus does. And that means we can join the psalmist and we can cry out with the simple cry of verse 11. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. It means we can cry out with prayer to our God. It means we can cry out, even in the worst of places. It means we can cry out to the God who is our King. As you know, this past week, Diana and Art Barbie lost their son, Todd, in a tragic accident. We've been praying for them. We've been praying for Todd's wife and children, as well as the rest of the family. I was sitting with them the morning that they found this all out. And there we sat with them. And like any of us, they asked this. What do we do? We don't know what to do with this. And none of us would. And some of you have been there. Death just slammed into them and plunged them into the mud of shock and grief. No warning. Just there. So we sat in their living room in silence. And then I looked at Diana and I quietly asked her this. I know you don't know what to do with this. Well, what do you know to do? And without hesitation, she said this. Pray. And I said, Yes, Diana, do what you know to do. Now where did that come from? From this woman who has suffered a stroke? She's not been able to attend here since she had that stroke. This woman has faced significant troubles and trials and now has lost her son. Where did that come from? You see, she's been rescued by God. And she's committed herself to being open to him. Where is it that God is calling you to be open? When we are in the mud, it's hard to imagine ever being pulled out. It's so hard. When we're in the depth of the mud and the mud has the grip on us, it's hard to even imagine a different story. My friends, God will grab us by the hand if we let him, and he'll rescue us. So let us come and be open. Come and release. Come live our story. And come with that commitment, that choice, that will to trust Him. Our worship team is going to come and as they come today, I'm gonna close with a prayer that sometime last year I found it. I'm not sure who sent it to me it's one of the devotional pieces I read but I've since found out that Thomas Keating's the one who wrote it and I printed it out and occasionally I use it during my own retreat times with God it's called welcome the welcome prayer one of the hardest prayers to pray goes like this welcome 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 I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing I welcome all thoughts feelings emotions persons situations and conditions I let go of my desire for power and control I let go of my desire for affection esteem approval and pleasure I let go of my desire for survival and security i let go of my desire to change any situation to change any condition to change any person or to change myself i open to the love and the presence of god in god's healing action within amen my friends let us come open let us come open to the love and the presence of god Let us come open to his healing action. Let us come open to living under him as our benevolent king. Let us come wide open to the king. I invite you to stand with me this morning. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna sing our story. And as we sing our story, wherever you are in life, whatever life has dished out to you, wherever it is where you feel like the mud is just sometimes too thick, I want you to remember your story of the God who gave up everything to meet us in the mud. God who knows what it means to be in that stuck place. And the God who even defeated death to be our king. Let us sing our story. Let us trust our God. Let us turn to Him today.